In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. We are here with the one and only Tommy Kerrigan of the TPC Podcast, potentially the hardest working man in podcasting, doing three shows a day. He's talked to bankers. He has talked to Delta Force. He has talked to some of the best authors in the world, and he is still 31 years old. He's made some big changes in his life. Tommy, introduce yourself a little bit. Thank you so much, man. I'm Tommy Kerrigan. I'm 31 years old, and I have a podcast, uh, Tommy's Podcast. That's the uh, that's the shortest possible answer. I started it kind of on a whim in December 2019 and really have just let my OCD, psychopathic work ethic, take over. It's In middle school, it was basketball. In high school, it was weightlifting. In college, it was pre-med. A little bit after college, it was Photoshop. And then I guess one day in 2019, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to start talking. And I just haven't shut up since. That's what I do. I'm glad you do it, man. And uh, I think that you've gone out of your way to show people who you are. I like that you don't hide stuff, man. You come out and you talk about things that you think are important, regardless of what other people think. You're not afraid to, hey, say what you think. And I, I, that's a very important issue. In the beginning, one of the things that really got me listening to your podcast was a story about how you started your podcast. It seems like you had this path that you were on. You were doing weightlifting. You went to Georgia. You graduated cum laude. You were going to med school. You had this preconceived notion of what your life was going to be. And then be it a mushroom trip or graduation or pressure, something changed. Can you share people what happened there? Yeah, so um, I was dead set on getting into medical school. Uh, it's all I did. I, I mean, studied around. When I say that's all I did, I mean, if you think I work hard at the podcast, G- Jesus Christ in heaven, you should have seen me in college g- trying to get into medical school, studying around the clock. It's just so I really can't emphasize that enough. That's just all I did. But I don't want to go into that because it's it's boring. It's all I did. All I did. And, um, you know, I liked the idea of it. I was terrified my freshman year. I kind of partied, almost failed out. It was just kind of an idiot. And my sophomore year, I got way too high, like my first night. 
of my sophomore year was like had just moved into the frat house and i was like oh my god i need to get my life together and it's kind of like a joke you know when people are like hold my beer but i mean i was literally like hold my beer i'm going to bed and then it was wrong i was like i need to go to the library tomorrow and everybody's like the fuck so i went to the library then classes hadn't even started like that was weird and then i did it like the next day my friends were like that was kind of weird too and then i did it all week and then all next week and then all month and then next month and then the whole semester and then the next semester and then i transferred to the university of georgia and kind of like reunited with all my buddies from high school and i did it again they were like what the fuck so that's all i was doing and it was a lot of it was from fear but it was also out of like a genuine desire to help people and um i I think I liked the idea of Dr. Kerrigan being in a white coat, always have a job. Doesn't matter what war there is. Doesn't matter if the country dissolves, people need doctors. And I was like, I'll just have to learn it. So just live anywhere you want. Every town needs a doctor. But also it was just like, I'll always have enough money. I'll be respected. Cause I was never a good student before this, never. So there's a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. And it was also just like, I never want the fear of like things just not going well. And so there was some love, but there was a ton of fear. And that's not really a fear can get you. Fear can get you a good ways. Fear's not bad. Hunter S. Thompson said that fear is like an animal. Have it pull your chariot, but keep it in front of you and keep a 12 gauge trained on the back of its head. Let it pull you places. But if it turns on you, blow its fucking head off. Fear's good. I'm a big proponent of fear. And but as someone that was meditating every day, you can't, and mind you, I was not even meditating for the right reasons. You know, it's like you take mushrooms and it's like, oh, you open up to the world and you find out like the Viking berserkers were taking mushrooms so they could kill more. And you're like that. No, wrong. Uh-uh. It's discovering nuclear energy and going like, we can power the world. And it's like, oh, we can nuke Hiroshima. And it's like, oh, we were so close. I was meditating. I started in high school kind of just like on a whim not really meaning to but in college i had this realization i was like wait when i like meditate i'm really focused for like 90 minutes afterwards no internal monologue no and as anybody that's add can kind of relate to it there's no i was like oh so i could like study for 90 minutes and then i can meditate for 20 minutes then i could study for another 90 minutes and i could just do this for 14 hours a day and that's how I got into medical school. So it's like so close. You're discovering the self. But I was like, let's use it as a weapon. And like, that's what I did. And I did use it as a weapon. And I'm still proud of it. I fucked up everybody. I destroyed the curve. A lot of people failed out because of me. I will never apologize for that. Fuck, get some. But what you, you can't do it forever without also meditation sort of taking a toll on you in the most positive way. You start to become sort of not to sound like some enlightened hippie douche because I'm not, but you do. You sit alone with your thoughts. You're not hiding on you're scrolling through. It's like that meme. Why do you always scroll through Reddit? So I don't have to look at So I don't have to face my own thoughts. And there's some truth to that. But when you sit with them every day, including like your anxieties and you're this and you're that, you get really in tuned with also like, fuck do i want to do this forever once the anxiety of can i do this goes away first semester i got 4.0 i'd never done that before second third fourth 
now the fear is gone that, you know, we'll never be able to ace OCHEM, but then you ace OCHEM. We'll never be able to ace physics, and then you ace So the fear goes away. You now know you can. Do I want to do this? Well, you have to do this. You have to be a doctor. I don't want to. It's, it's a tough world out there. You know, dad grew up in poverty, climbed his way out. I'm like, no, no, no. Do, do, work harder. All right. And then, you know, a couple, another month would go by. And then it start to just creep up again. Is this really what I want to do? I started to notice that when I would go out, I'd go out like once a month with my friends. That sure, the partying was fun. But even the next day, just laying around, hungover, not doing anything. I was just grinning like an idiot. And I remember one of my roommates, he was this big fat redneck. I remember he looked at me and he goes, Tommy, the fact that you have so much fun on an off day going to Walmart, maybe you're not happy with what you're doing. And it was wildly profound. And I was like, that, I shouldn't be this happy hungover just because I'm not studying. But, you know, like a good Anglo-Saxon, you suppress those feelings. Like a good Irish pig, you say, fuck off, and you keep working harder, right? Because life is suffering. But every once in a while, I would also just, like, smoke a little pot by myself, which I always love doing by myself. And it would just it would just come in, and it'd be like, dude, is this really what you want to do? Is this really what you want to do? I, can't, I don't know what else I could do. No, I just got to keep working, got to keep working. And it would it started to creep in more and more. And I don't remember what the flipping point was. It was, I'd already gotten in. And I, it was the day after I graduated. I was just like, I was like, I got to go in. You know, they always say when, you know, doing psychedelics for the first time, make sure you're in a good place mentally. I was like, I'm at like the, had just graduated, had just started dating a girl a couple months prior. First serious girlfriend of my life. Knew my older brother was suffering from depression for years. He lived in, a, in Atlanta. I was in Athens. Other brother lived in North Carolina. Other brother lived in Maryland. Parents were in Maryland moving to New Hampshire. I'm, I'm from New Hampshire. All my friends here in Georgia are going to... Got into medical school in Miami. Everything's talking at me. And instead of being in a good place, I was like, well, let's dump acid onto my brain. Not acid, mushrooms. And I went and did that with, my, with, my, uh, with one of my best friends. Went and sat in just kind of like a field of grass. It was like a December day. Up in his lake house. December in Georgia is not cold. It's kind of cold. But when you're in the sun, it's still beautiful. We went up on a weekday, so there's no one there. We we're on just kind of this like mountainside at his lake house. And we just sat in a field for like seven hours. And I mean, all cliches aside, you know, giggling, we're funny. And then, of course, you know, like you see the trees breathing and all that good shit. And that's all right. That's all well and good. But I remember like the overwhelming thought I had. So mind you, that first day, my sophomore year of college, when I got way too high and realized I was fucked, holding my beer, I got to be a doctor. And then I just did it for four years. I had that almost like a deja vu of that. But this time it was the opposite. It wasn't out of fear. There was this thing that was like, I just remember like the overwhelming feeling. I didn't hear a voice, but it was like a voice was telling me like, Life can be love. And it's not some idyllic, let's all hold hands in a field and, you know, form a cult and fuck each other. Like, no, that's not realistic. Those always turn into communes, which turn into communisms, or they turn into mass suicide cults. I'm not, 
I don't have any. I don't have any false notions about those, right? But it was just like, like. And by the way, cut me off at any point if if if, if I'm boring you. Not at all, man. This is it's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So <clears throat> it was like life just doesn't have to be this this like nonstop grind where. You know, you're in the gym. When the workout gets easy, it's time to dial up the weights. Like, the gym is supposed to be hard. That's why you're going. But if I would study all day and still have straight A's, I'd be like, something's wrong because I should be studying till exhaustion. Like, no, you you, you studied. to You're finished now. Go have fun. No, I need to keep working. And I kind of had that realization that, like, life can be love. And so, unlike college, where it got way too high and was like, I want to be a doctor. There was actually a path, right? You go out, you, you go to your advisor, take the classes you got to take, and you can study nonstop. There is an end point. You can see it on the horizon. It's three years away. I got to do X, Y, and Z to get it, and it's difficult, but I can do it. You can climb Mount Everest, but there is a sum. There is a path. Cool. I didn't even have a goal. I was just sitting there, and I was like, I want to be my own boss, still work hard, but be happy. And so with that, I sent a letter to the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine for 15,000 students applied and 100 got in. And I said, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I told my mom, dad, and girlfriend, they're all like, the fuck? And, you know, and and then a couple months later, my older my older brother took his life. So it's like that was really – now was, at that point, I was like, well, I, I just don't – I'm not in a mental place to go to medical school. So that was great. That was all well and good. So my first thought was like, I think I want to go to pharmacy school because when I, when I want to go to medical school, I want to be an anesthesiologist. And I was like, oh, I could still go study drugs. That's cool. Got into pharmacy school. And I was like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I think I want to go to online pharmacy school. So now another year passed. Got into online pharmacy school. And then I was like, yeah, I just don't want to do this. Thank you. So now everyone's kind of like, what the fuck? At this point, I've been kind of been doing a lot of drugs, clonazepam taking tons of like NyQuil at night, drinking, uh, just it's stimulants during the day, gained a lot of weight, really not taking care of myself, doing like delivery jobs. Like all I wanted to do is just like sit in a bed with a bong. Like, and so I was going farther and farther down. And then like, I kind of broke off the path of like life can be love. And I was just like, fuck it, self-medication. And Fell way down into the slog, became very suicidal in summer 2016, moved home to my parents' house in Maryland. And that was like a five-year-long rebirth. Like not long after that, girlfriend broke up with me. Don't blame her at all. I was a <laughs> piece of shit. Um, all my friends lived in Georgia. I kind of lost touch with all of them. Really just lived with my parents at 26, like a fucking loser, doing therapy, getting sober, exercising. And like an absolute arrogant piece of shit at the bottom of the bottom, when that fear should kick in, you go, okay, I should just go back to medical school. I was like, no, I still want to be my own boss. You know, Jesus Christ. And so like, I just, I was like, I want to do writing. And then like, I did that for like six months. I was like, I want to do comedy and did that for like six months. Like I want to do video editing. I want to, I tried to make my, my own, like the onion. I tried to make like my own onion kind of like satirical news like site that didn't work picked up photoshop and actually stuck with that for like three years got really good self-taught but it still it just wasn't panning out and i don't remember exactly 
what was the catalyst for starting the podcast. But it, it wasn't the first time that thought had popped up. It had come up before, like years prior. I want to do it with some friends. But, you know, I didn't have, they don't want to do it. Okay, I don't want to do it. And at that point, I had sort of started to, I was very hesitant of going balls deep into anything because I didn't want to go, even though I was in a bad spot, I also didn't want to go back to where I was as pre med because I was miserable. That work ethic, that psychopath, psychopathic OCD work ethic was miserable. And so it was kind of like Pavlovian, like I had almost associated that with negativity. It's not that I wasn't capable of it, as I clearly show. It was just like, I don't want to go down that. And then I kind of, it just, it kind of dawned on me. It was like, like there are things, as Ram Dass would say, he's like, you can be meditating and be a spirit of light and communing with the gods. There's no reason to not know your zip code. Like <laughs> you live in reality. And uh, I always love that because it's like, hey, mushrooms, great meditation, love, earth, everything. How you paying rent, dipshit? Right? And I had been avoiding that for a while. I was like, oh, it'll just work out. No, it did not. It didn't just work out. The narrator, it did not. <laughs> and I, I I don't know if it's maturity or it's just trial and failure. And I'm glossing over this. But mind you, like, I was at home for five years. Five fucking years. of No friends. of No partying. No social life. of No sex. Of nothing. Just fucking living with your parents. Love my parents to death. Go try living with your parents from 26 to 31. You'll blow your fucking head off, right? All the while, having no prospect. It wasn't even like, when I'm going, I had no idea when anything was going to work out. And so starting the podcast, I, I don't remember what the catalyst was. I just had a MacBook. I'm really trying to remember. Like, I mean, I always joke and say I'd, I'd, I'd started watching Rogan when he first started in 2011. And I, like, and I love Rogan. And I was like, oh, I'm smarter than him. I could do this. Like, I, I, I joke about it. I fucking love Rogan. He, he's, he helped me so much in college. Um, but I just remember kind of like, it was, I remember it was December 12th, 2019. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, I kind of want to just like talk to people. I know I can talk to people. Like, how hard could this be? And I just started. And I did like at first I was like, let's take it easy. I did one episode a week. And after like five episodes, I was like, I was like, oh wait, I'm in charge. I can I can interview anybody I want. And so I just go on Reddit and like find a guest. Be like, oh wait. I started working harder and harder and harder. I remember what started. Sorry. Thanksgiving 2019. I was with my cousin Chris up at my my aunt's house. My family is all together. And he was just drinking and he and I were sitting on like a couch. We were joking about uh, we were joking about like, what if we just went and hijacked a cruise ship? And and what if we hijacked a cruise ship and we drove it into like an island, like out in the middle of the Pacific? And we would just create our own society. We'd be warlords. We'd be arriving with food and water and medicine. We would take over the local peoples but we'd be too small on the map for the U S to really care. And we would just kind of become warlords and I was sober and he was shit faced. And we had this conversation for like an hour and a half and uh, his fiance was on like speakerphone, just kind of listening to us. And at the end of it, in like her New York accent, she was like, that was fantastic. You guys should do a podcast. <laughs> and so me and my cousin, Chris, and my cousin Tim, we started a podcast called warlords. We did like five episodes 
And naturally, I was like, let's do two episodes a day. And they were like, yo, let's do one episode a week. And I was like, I was like, we should interview this guy. And they're like, no, nah, let's just have fun. And so after like five episodes, I was like, hey, love y'all. I'm going to start my own. And just was off to the races. And I mean, from there till now, it's kind of just been like one, like, just blur, just working harder, getting guests, improving the audio, the camera, the visual, the lighting, uploading to multiple platforms, trying to fine hone my mess, not even message, my ability to talk more, know when to cuss, when to not, when to have this, when is it a very serious, when can you dick around, when can you, just all these things, and then starting to do like almost like news things because there are topical things, but you don't want to just do news because then there's no re-listen value, right? You can't go back and listen to a newscast from a year ago. It's old. You you know what happened. So like, sure, you can cover things happening in Ukraine, but you also want to like have on authors who they're, what they're talking about, like that episode holds up five years from now because you're talking about like history of World War II or something. And it's just been this spiraling, maniacal, I'm just allowed to dump all of my my work into it it's there's nothing worse than when you beat a video game because you're like fuck i maxed out my character like just ghost recon i'm playing wildlands again my guy is a demigod he is maxed out he has an optical camouflage uh a suit on he has a sniper rifle that can one-shot helicopters he can call in rebel support he can call in mortars all my weapons are maxed out silenced high speed i'm spawning a mile above enemy bases i'm scanning shit in thermal i'm knocking out motherfuckers i'm emping the generators taking down the alarms blocking off the entrances mortar fire here hop on a minigun there eat a dick like it's great but i beat the game there's nothing else to fucking do i can't level anything else up i can't call in missiles there are no missiles in the game. i maxed out so i have to go to another game and then you do that and you play Just Cause, and you unle- unlock everything, or Ace Combat, to the point where you've got, like, the the, the Area 51 DARPA the hypersonic strike aircraft. and It's great, and it's fun, but then you beat the game on Expert, you get every achievement, you unlock every skin. Now what? Nothing. There's nothing to do now. And so you have to move on to the next game. You know what you do right there? Like, right when you beat the game, you write a letter to the medical school and say, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to move home with my parents. Yeah, that's what you fucking do. You say, oh, yeah, I don't want, I'm done. Does, does that like that? That's a full pattern right there, though, right? Yeah. Can you see that as a pattern? You're like, I beat the fucking game right when I went to college. Why should I keep playing? I well, can do it, I, I can do it online. Why should I keep playing? That one's a little different in that medical school is, is pre-med on steroids. So you could have kept going. And then after medical school, there's residency, which is medical school on steroids. And after residency, is fellowship. And then after that, it's becoming like a practicing doctor. So like that game could have kept going. I just wasn't happy with that one. But what I love about this, and it probably speaks more than anything, is I don't think there's a ceiling on this. I can work. You know, one of the great, a great book that also led to me not going to medical school is called House of God by Samuel Shem. It's a pen name, but it's a guy that was in Harvard Medical School and Harvard Residency in the 70s. And it's just the abject depravity. There was no rules back then. They could work residents like 120 hours a week. They were smoking meth in closets. They were fucking the nurses. They're all on Valium and again amphetamines. And they're they're taking morphine and shit. They they were so fucked up and just like zombies. One guy killed himself. He jumped off the roof. Like this shit was insane. And um, 
but there's one guy in the book. I forget his. I think they, I think they called him Fats because he's just a fat guy. But he was like a brilliant, brilliant kid. You know, the kind of kid that could study for an hour and beat everybody. And he asks him, and he's like, Fats, why don't you just go become like an investment banker or something? Because he was gunning to be like a surgeon so he could make the most money. They're like, dude, Fats, you could go be a billionaire. And he was, and his answer was like, I'll never beat medicine. He was like, it's the most advanced Rubik's Cube. You can never understand it all. You can never understand what every protein is doing, what every cell is. There will always be a disease that evades you. I can sink my teeth into this forever. And that's kind of how I feel about this podcast is I have all my own. I got to break 100 subscribers, got to break 1,000, got to break 10,000. Right now I'm at 10,566. Okay, I got to get to 10,567. 5,080, 5, whatever the fuck, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 100,000, million, 10 million. Got to keep going. I want to be okay. I got I want to beat Rogan. Okay. Well, who's above Rogan? I guess PewDiePie. Okay. I want to get past PewDiePie. Like, I want to get to, I want to get to a billion subscribers. Well, then what? I don't know. But then you can just keep going higher and higher. And there is no ceiling. You can get to a point where you start like affecting real change in the world. You know, like Rogan isn't just observing, he, he changes that. People come on and like it changes the narrative. Well, I've already interviewed guys running for Congress and stuff, and I've helped them like get in touch with other people. So on like a very small scale, I'm already kind of poking and prodding the world. I'm like, well, what what's the upper limits of this? Can it, of course, my mind isn't like, oh, I just want to like, share, and subscribe. I'm like, if I do this for 20 years, can I reaffect like the geopolitical arrangement of countries on the planet? It's the best game ever. I think that maybe answers your question. I tell you a little bit about myself. That was what the 25 minute rant. That was awesome, man. That might be uh, one of my favorite rants so far. I, I think it spoke volumes of your character and your personality and why it is that you do the things you do. And you know, it seems to me that the beginning Photoshop, the comedy, the editing, these are all like your freshman, sophomore and junior year of podcasting. Like you've incorporated all those things into what you do now and probably help accelerate where you're at right now. I also think it's fascinating that, you know, as someone who likes to talk to people and enjoys conversations, when you're doing what you're doing, you're forced to have multiple conversations in your head while you're talking to someone because you want the content to be well. You want it to be received well. You're watching for pauses and facial, you know, ticks and, oh my gosh, is the audience going to like that? Or, and that in itself for someone who has ADHD or ADD or bipolar or any of these things is really fun because you're like, okay, now I can focus because I got seven things going on and I finally feel comfortable, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's awesome to hear about that. Let me ask you this one. Sure. So you have had so many great guests on your podcast. The first people, the first, one of the youngest men, I think the youngest Charlie Kirk, was he the youngest man to walk on the moon? Charlie Duke, youngest man to walk on the moon. Charlie Duke. You've had a, the uh, the banker from Switzerland, Brad Birkenfield. Yeah, um, yeah uh, great Luke, podcast. Luke banker, that book is fucking great too. It is George Webb, who's I, I think one of the most underrated journalists in the world right now. He's on often. You got Peter Duke. You have so many inter Mike Ford. I really enjoyed that one yesterday. You have so many great people on there. What have you noticed a difference in who you are, Tommy Kerrigan, since you began talking to these people and having interesting and, and, you know, some might even say 
politically changing conversations with people. You've had a lot of in-depth stuff with a lot of professional, intelligent people. Can you see the changes in yourself since you started having these conversations? In myself, it's definitely harder because it's a, you know, it's like when you're losing weight or building muscle, you look at yourself in the mirror every day, you never see the change, but then you look at a picture from yourself six months apart. You're either like, Jesus, I got fat. Or you're like, fuck yeah. You can kind of see like my jawbone again. You're like, cool. That's hard. Um, I imagine I could just go back and watch an earlier episode, probably see some glaring differences in terms of like me, in terms of like how I present, I try to swear less. Um, I'm much more confident in who I am now. I have no problem just being like, well, you know, respectfully disagree instead of like, yeah, I'll, I'll suck your dick. It's just, like, <laughs> it's just like, hey, agree to disagree. Not in a discouraging way. Um, I try to not just come balls out with my opinions right away. It's definitely humbled me in that you cannot interview so many intelligent people who hold such wildly different political beliefs than me and not sit there and go, maybe I don't know everything. You know, I'm a conservative guy. I like Trump. When you interview Richard Rhodes, a Pulitzer Prize winning author in his 80s, and he is the antithesis of that. And he and he's a, a liberal leaning guy. You don't go, well, this idiot doesn't know what he's talking about. You go, huh? We we both got to the we both got to the, the top of the mountain. We took different paths. That doesn't make his path wrong. You know, it's very easy to look at someone that you don't like and don't respect and go, own the libs or you know, own the conservatards. But when you interview like a wildly intelligent person progressive person and then you find out that they have the exact opposite political views as your own if you're a retard you go that guy's stupid if you have half a brain cell you go maybe we just see the world differently maybe he has a piece of information that i don't have that if i had i'd see his viewpoint and then maybe he gives you the information you go oh we're looking at the same swath of colors this is one analogy i always use you know you're liberal you're, you're blue you're conservative you're red it is possible that the red guy has never seen the color blue. And if you showed it to him, he might go, oh, that's me and vice versa. But there's also a point where you both are, have the full color swath, you know, like one of those like Sherman Williams paint things. And you go, <laughs> yeah, no, I can see all the colors. Now you see all the colors. I just like red. I just like blue. And if you're a mature adult, you go, oh, we just see the world differently. You know? I'm from New England. I don't really, I don't really pay attention to sports. But let's just say, I like the Red Sox. My my uncle is a, a brilliant investor. He's from the Bronx. He likes the Yankees. Is he stupid? Sure, he can make a fucking Yankees. Is he objectively stupid? No, he's wildly successful and wildly wealthy and a respectable individual. Am I a bad? I don't think I'm a bad person. Oh. We just like different things. And when you look at it from that place, and this is why I think I get a lot of shit of, you know, fence riding, and you try to see both ways, or you... No, it's just because there's a point where, I remember my uncle said, my late uncle, before he passed, he was a surgeon, and he goes, if you're smart, you should be smart enough to know how smart you're not. And, like, so... It's sure when I have them like the Delta Force guys and, you know, we're all, you know, making fun of. Sure, that's fun. It's goofing. It's kind of the equivalent of like having a beer. I'll just talk and shit. 
But no, the, the reason why I still keep an open mind to the opposite viewpoint of my own is because my personal experiences of 854 episodes, you cannot interview so many different nuclear physicists, fictional authors, guys that have walked on the fucking moon, guys that have been in Delta Force, guys that are in construction or who work on submarines or who or are a political pundit or work in an intelligence community or, or a professor at Yale or Harvard. You can't talk to them all and then go, huh, well, some of them are smart because they have my opinions. The other ones are getting there. No, you got to go, oh, Jesus, it's a big old fucking world out there. And so to answer your question, how have I changed on the cursory delivery? I'm more confident in saying like, well, I agree to disagree, but I, you probably have a point. Try to swear less, which I'm not doing that at all, because this is, again, kind of read it. You'll be more relaxed. But I definitely go into everything now, and I'm like, I might be wildly incorrect. And that's, it's not, it's not scary. It's very, you know, people said like, I, you know, I don't want to put my opinion out there because in five years I'll look back and be like, oh, Jesus Christ, I was so wrong. But to me, I'm like, dude, that's growth. Why would you not want to grow? You don't look back at yourself and go, oh, I used to be a twig. You're like, no, you were a twig and you went to the gym and now you're not a twig. Like, so I'll look back at early episodes and be like, oh, God, that was so that was so narrow minded. Noted. Don't be that person anymore. That's how I think I have changed. And I can only imagine in a year I'll look back at this episode and just be shaking my head and be like that fucking moron thinking he knows the whole world. And I can only hope a year after that I'll have this because that means you're growing. So I don't know if that answers your question at all, if I even attempted to answer it. How have I changed? Humble. More humble. Not objectively humble. I am a cocky, arrogant asshole. It's hard to be humble when you're the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, I'm humbly the best. I'm the most... No, it's, it's realizing that you maybe don't have the big picture. Yeah, and that is growth. I one thing I've learned in my life that I've, I've made tons of mistakes is just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at everything. And one, one thing I've, I, I've found good about podcasting and I'm curious if you share this is the ability to see that thing in the other. Like if, if you have an opinion or you, you see that thing you recognize in the other person and I may not be doing a great job of explaining what that thing is, but it's that ability to be objective for me. It's that ability to see someone handle a conversation in a way that makes me jealous or makes me want to grow. Like, oh, I see what happened there. This guy tried to corner him in a conversation. And instead of fighting out of that corner, he just pushed him right aside and helped him. You know, so yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you see that in the conversations when you talk to people and you can like, notice that thing and then incorporate it into your style yeah it's it's very easy to to be that sort of like humble like maybe i don't know everything when you're talking to someone else who is like you know again richard rhodes he's not stupid he's watched my other episodes he knows like i'm a trump guy he still comes on yeah and when you when you see that maturity in someone else it rubs off on you and you're like, oh, we're not doing politics here. We're talking about the history of like of nuclear weapons. Like that's, it's very easy to be humble and respectful when you're with another humble and respectful person. What's the trick? The trick is when you're with some some narrow-minded douchebag that 
goes, no, 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 no. I am the only right one. We have the whole color swath. There's an objectively best color. That is where it's like your time to really put into practice. And you just, you don't, you don't tell them, Hey, you should be humble and open-minded. <laughs> you just nod. You just nod. And you try to be, you try to be like an open area for them to just, you know, it's like sometimes the best therapists don't say a word. They'll just let you say it all. And then you realize it on your own. Sometimes there's nothing else to do, but just nod. You can maybe try to gently nudge the conversation one way or another. Sometimes they're really stuck on something. There's nothing else to do, but just sure. Oh yeah. No, yeah. I get it. Fuck. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And then sometimes it's even fun to just start agreeing with them. It's like a mental exercise, not even to fuck with them, but I mean, truly to be like, fuck it. Let's, let's see where they're coming from. Let's see why Biden is the best president ever. Not even ironically, be like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. Let's do this. And that's fascinating because when you do that, so if you come on right away clashing, you know, I'm Tommy, I don't like Biden. I'm having on Bob who likes Biden. You've immediately set up a friction. Even if you both are going to be very mature and humble about it and respectful, you've immediately set up this dichotomy where the other guy's on the defensive. Even though you're being very shaking hands about it, it's still, you know, you're going at it. And you might go, well, that's the best way to learn about the other guy's viewpoint is by being respectful. And it's better than just yelling at him, sure, but it's not the best way. The best way, like the fucking real like judo black magic way, is to not let them know that you disagree with them. Is to actually agree with them. Because then they think they're just talking to someone that has the same views as them. And when you're together like that, that's when you open up even more. And so you see what they really think. As opposed to as opposed to them trying to give you these canned, clean answers because we're having this respectful debate. No, you make them feel comfortable. Like you guys are just boys hanging out, having a drink, and you guys agree with each other. You're much more candid with each other. And when you're more candid with each other, that is when you start to see what they really think. And when you get into what they really think, sometimes it actually makes sense. You go, oh, this guy isn't just a dumb shit lib he oh he has like a, a friend that you know a parent that died of this and they actually yeah. do, oh this guy is actually a first generation immigrant yeah okay it kind of makes sense how he looks at trump and goes yeah you're not fucking deporting my parents you go <laughs> i do get that if someone tried to deport yeah. my parents I'd oh and then you start going like you drank the kool-aid as a joke but now you're going like i get it and you're like fuck and like you still believe your initial point but that's how you start to like see the other person is not just someone you disagree with, but you actually see like there's like a conscious individual with a life of experience behind the eyes. And you go, the exception is, is as long as no one's hurting each other. If it's someone looking at me, telling me like why the Jews must die. I'm like, bro, I just can't, I can't, I can't like see where you're coming from. You're very well-spoken. I'm sorry, Mr. Hezbollah. Like we cannot have this conversation. But as long as no one's hurting each other, sure, I'll lean into it. Tell me why. Tell, tell me why. Sure. And when you stop trying to beat them, but instead just detach and look at it as like a puzzle, I just want to figure out who they are. 
and not even in some like, I want to figure out who they are so I can do a gotcha moment. Oh, no, no, <laughs> fuck off. Just look at it. It's like, pretend no one's watching. That's like one reason why, like, I don't do it live. And I'm not shitting on you. I know you're doing it live. Most people do. Right? That's why I'm not doing it live. Because I always want them, and I always let the person know it's not live because I want them to feel like, hey, there is no, there's nobody watching. And there's always the beautiful offer of like, we don't even have to upload this episode. And when you give them that, and I always tell them, I'm like, hey, record it too. Don't fucking, you know, don't, don't, don't rely on me to be objective. When you do that, that is, that is the beauty in it. And I think for me, sort of answer your question, like, what do I see that in people? What makes me like jealous of that? It's episode 82 or 83. I had on this guy, John Romanello. I don't really know anything about. It. He's like a he's like an author. He's he used to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's personal trainer. He's like, you know, multi multi millionaire, self made. Dude looks like a male model. He's built as fuck. He's eloquent. He's he's just looking at me like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> and I don't remember how I got in touch with him. He's a pretty like well known name. I think I got in touch with him before I even started the podcast. I think I might have just like sent him a Photoshop, and he was like, oh, that's cool. This guy, there couldn't be a more different person politically than he and I. And I remember just bugging him and bugging him and bugging him to come on the podcast. And he's probably looking at me and I'm screaming about Trump. And I have four subscribers. He's probably like, what the fuck? But it was during COVID and he and his fiance were like, they were stuck like quarantining. And one day he was just like, fuck it. I'll come on. And that guy... Having never known me, you could just feel it coming off of him. He truly just like exuded love. And in his mind, he was probably like, this kid's retarded. But he sat there and like nodded and just let me go. And we ended up like getting on the topic of my brother. And that's the only time I've ever cried on a podcast. And it was just like, the. it's still to this day, it's my favorite episode. It's I'm in like a shitty orange jacket up above my parents' garage. It's echoing. It's on a MacBook. It's like 480p resolution. It's horrible. The lighting's all fucked up. But it's still my favorite episode. Because that guy was just completely like present in the moment. And like let me like weave around. And just like left on a loving note. That's like what I try to aim for. Yeah. Because another thing is when you finally acknowledge that you don't have all the answers and maybe your political view isn't correct, you stop looking at yourself as someone who should be responsible for like changing the world. You're like, well, why should I? What if, if I'm incorrect, you know, if I, if I have bad eyesight, like I shouldn't be the surgeon. You're right. <laughs> I shouldn't fly Air Force One. <laughs> How right you are, you know? Like, oh, okay. So you look at it like kind of like that. So when you stop, some people say, oh, that's apathy or that's digging your head. No, I don't think I'm apathetic. I think my interviews show very otherwise, very much otherwise. But when you take yourself off the pedestal of like, I know what is correct. It allows you to stop looking at things as adversarial. And I need to show this guy why he's wrong. I got to own the libs. No, you go, 
you sort of become detached. But detached in the best way. Because you're just... You're kind of okay with being completely incorrect. And it's a very, like... Like, the first moment of humility is, like, after you listen to your first episode. You're like, that's what I sound like? You know, like, you never hear your real voice in real life because you're inside your ears. Everybody else is outside. You're the only person hearing it from an angle that no one else can hear it from, between your ears. You know, when you hear your voice for the first time, you go, oh, jeez, that's what I sound like? Then you see yourself, you're like, oh, God. And then, like, and you're like, oh, my, my, my thoughts are so stupid. And that's, like, the, those are, like, the first hurdles of humility. And then you get over those. And then you get over like bad podcasts and on and there's so many hurdles of just like slowly just tearing away the ego that like the closer you get to the center, you're just like, you're like, I kind of want to be proven wrong. Like it's, it's almost fun. You're like, cause I'm just trying to get to like the truth of whatever it is, whatever the world is, whatever the universe is. And it's less of like, I have to have the right stamp. Oh fuck. Should I go delete that video from a year ago? I said there were, no, you're just like, you're just trying to get close. When you're playing a video game and you keep failing a mission, you don't go, I can't let anybody see that failure. No, you're playing with your friends. You're like, okay, we tried that tactic. What if we shifted this one? And nobody's like laughing at each other. You're just like, you're both trying to get to the objective. And then when you finally get it, you fucking cheer. And then when you have a new friend comes in and plays the video game, you don't laugh at them. You go, oh yeah, dude, that's a bitch of a fucking level. You figure it out though. So you stop trying to beat everybody and put a point in the W column and own somebody and screenshot them and look at this idiot. I proved him wrong. (laughs) And you just start trying to like get to whatever the core of all of this is. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it's perfect, man. I like it. I, I, I think I once heard a really good quote that said the purpose of an argument it's not to win or lose. It's to solve a problem. Yeah. Right. And like, that's such beautiful, like that's really good relationship advice too, because when you're in a relationship, you sometimes you're so heated or the kid's not sleeping or you've got this fucking bills coming and shit's not going the way you want it. And we hurt the people closest to us, but sometimes you find yourself in an argument with somebody you love, or even on a podcast or a friend or something, and you're just arguing. And all of a sudden you think you have to win. And it's like, wait a minute. This is a person I care about. And if you're on a podcast with somebody, you, you care about them somewhat. So the the objective should be to rise above right and wrong. And and I think so many of us get caught right there. But yeah, I, I think that the objective should be to solve a problem or at least shed light on a point that is opposite of yours. And I, I sometimes and- I think that the Trump versus Biden, a lot of those people are the same people, but the mirror image of one another. They're the same goddamn people. <laughs> they absolutely are. what do we all want nobody wants an unarmed black guy to get shot if there are people that want that fuck them nobody wants to be thrown off health care nobody wants America to have a weak military nobody wants the borders to be raped we just we're all looking at it in different ways some people are going hey we gotta let them in other people are saying yeah we gotta let them in there's gotta be a process other people are going no they're suffering just let them in some people are going, yeah, we, the reason why we need these taxes is so we have better schools. Other people are saying, no, 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 we got to have less so we can have private. But what do we still want? We still want a good school for your kid. The police should be more armed. They should be less armed. Well, what do we all want? We want there to be fucking less crime. We're all just trying to get there in a different method. 
That's all it is. So we're all trying to approach it in a different way. They're all the same people. And to what you said about shedding light on a problem, just yesterday I had on a Ron Moeller and, and Dale Comstock, two OGA guys. Like they always say OGA, they technically have to. I can say it, CIA, the tip of the spear, <laughs> goddamn black ops. <laughs> and they kind of went on this whole thing about like why America's fucked. And although I kind of agreed with them, towards the end, I was like, well, I'm going to take the devil's advocate position because otherwise we're all just sitting here jerking each other off. And there is nothing of value there. Let's say you let's say you love Tommy's podcast and I love Tommy's podcast. If we sit here and go, yeah, it's great. It's perfect. You don't have to watch the episode because you already know what it is. They're agreeing with you like the color blue. I like the color blue. The sky is blue. The water's blue. That's what I'm saying. Great. Happy you're happy. There's no point in watching it. Nothing's being tackled. Nothing's being approached. That's fine. That's fine. But it's nothing worth watching. So they're going on about like why it's all over. And I was like, all right. I'm now going to take a devil's advocate position and explain maybe why it wasn't. But I do that all the time because... Right, you and I are talking about now to shed light on a problem. If you can't solve the problem, at least shed light on the problem. That's all well and good to say. The only way to do it is to lead by example. Because if you say, "Hey guys, let's maybe all like drop our egos and be vulnerable," right? Yeah, who's first? Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Why you have to say, "Hey, I really fucked up here, and I don't necessarily believe this, but what if X, Y, Z?" Normally, someone else will go. Well, like he kind of made the fool of himself first, so fuck it. I'll, you know, yeah, I'll be the next fool. It won't be as bad as the first fool. Because otherwise, what is the and the, and that's the thing is like every conversation doesn't have to like be a a project that has a solution. Like that's it's specifically like for podcasting. Like I'm going up to New Hampshire to like visit my family for Fourth of July. Yeah, I'm gonna have conversations with my brother, and we're just gonna talk about his dog. Like, there's no. And that's perfect. It doesn't need to be like, well, what have we concluded today about Southeast? <laughs> no, it's okay to it's it's more than okay. I have a gaming channel. There's nothing of value on the gaming channel. People are like, you should try to improve it. I'm like, no, I work on TPC. My gaming channel is just it's the fucking shit on the floor that I sweep up and go, here's another channel. <laughs> There's nothing of value. The audio's terrible. There are long breaks. You think the P break from TPC are bad? I'll fucking just leave the gaming channel for an hour. It's just rolling. I'll be like, I need to go get food. Just come back an hour and a half later and be like, all right, where were we? Just start playing. And that's also okay, right? It doesn't have to be, well, let's come at each other with alternative ideas. Like, no, sometimes it can just be like, you know, do you think the Azov Battalion's fucking each other in the ass? Like, maybe. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. Let's start, let's start that fake news. I'm down with that. There's nothing of value coming from there, and that's fine. So I also kind of wanted to make that like not every conversation has to be like a because that's the pre-med mindset. Everything has to be work. Mm. No, it's, no, no. It's okay to just sit there and just talk nonsense with your friends. What I'm talking about specifically is for the unique position that I'm in relative to all people and that I am a subset, a subsection of, of society that specifically has a camera and a microphone to have these conversations, right? I'm going out to get Dr. Malone because Bob on at working at Smoothie King doesn't get to ask him these questions. 
and everything you see on the news is canned. So instead, you bring him on. And you're like, is Fauci a Nazi? And you're just like, and nobody else is asking him this. <laughs> They're not asking him that on CNN. Cool. And how many interviews have you seen a guy on the moon that you're just like, hey, can I just ask you, what, what do you freak out when you're up there? And he was like, yeah, you're just like, I'm on the moon. And I'm like, I thought that's what it would be like. So, like, for the very, like, niche thing that I'm in and where I am producing videos for people to watch, I do think that you have to almost, there is almost sort of, like, a moral, or not to sound like some high-minded jack-off, but there is sort of, like, a, you got to present it a certain way. And, again, as much as you get shit on, I mean, I started watching Joe Rogan in December 2011. Like right after he started the back when he was just the fear factor guy and like the amount I've seen him change and just like allow other ideas to float out there and not pigeonhole himself into one thing and you can tell when he disagrees with someone they'll just be like sure sure and people are like yeah well he's a fester I'm like hey there's a reason why he's the biggest thing on the planet it's almost like the free market of the globe has decided we like it when we can respectfully share ideas. And then on the same term, you can also have an episode where they just get shit faced and talk bullshit. I really know where I'm going with this now. Hey, do you care if I go to the bathroom real yeah, quick? Handle it, brother. Handle it. Right. I was going to say take it over, but it's your podcast. Do what the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go, ladies and gentlemen. We've been talking to uh, Tommy Kerrigan here and, uh, you know, there's some parts that we haven't got into yet. He was, uh, for those that don't know, he was censored from YouTube. You know, he, he was one of the first people to come out with uh, Dr. Malone and talk about the mandates and COVID and all these things that, uh, you know, were kind of taboo to talk about. And so <clears throat> I think he had, we'll get him to talk about when he comes back, but I think he had 5,000 subscribers. Does this show that is, you know, one of these things you're not supposed to talk about Lo and behold, comes back and ends up, you know, getting the YouTube um, email or whatever it is that comes that way and says, hey, we're going to have to let you go. So I, I think there's something that happens there when you're faced with adversity and potentially even a paycheck or something you're building and you come up against this obstacle that says, OK, well, you can't do it from here. So I think that there's a question of integrity and responsibility there you ever think to yourself like what would i do faced in a situation where i don't have or i have to make a choice you know i think when you get to that particular point you have to make a choice am i going to do what they tell me to do or am i going to take the paycheck and be censored you know and we got him back here we'll ask him tommy i was just telling the audience a little bit about you know you start this channel you've made these moves all of a sudden Bam, we're smacked with COVID. We've got Dr. Fauci blowing us up. We've got propaganda all over the place. You got 5,000, your channels beginning to blow up, and then you get smacked with a censor notice and told, hey, you, you got to shut up about this stuff or we're going to cancel you. I got to think that that is something that changes the way you, you run your game. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, I always try to. I always try to explain like like the kind of like how big that was in my life 
I mean, relatively. I mean, you know, most people in the world are starving and don't have access to clean right. water. I, I get the relativeness. But when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, dude, I got censored. They're like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's whatever. But it's, I think maybe you and your listeners can kind of get a grasp for it. I've now told you from August, on my birthday, August 7th, 2010, when I got too high in the frat house till now, you see the immense weight and importance in like dodging suicide and like moving out of my parents' house and reestablishing a life through the podcast. You see that it's not just like, oh, it's just a pet project. It's just a cool thing you're doing. Like you chose to get censored. Like, no, this was, this was, you know, I'm on an island in the middle of the ocean, and for five years I've been constructing a raft out of out of, out of bottles and, and coconuts and shit. And it's finally working. It's not just a little toy I made. It's like I'm going back to the mainland, you know? I've been stranded at home. It's so beyond important that to then immediately be like, have like a have like a moral stress test. Yeah. Like I just want to interview these guys. I just want to talk about election fraud if and if it did or did not happen. I just want to talk about COVID. Is it or is it not lab made? Are the vaccines good or are they bad or is it somewhere in between? Are there alternative treatments or are they not? And then not just speculating, but going, okay, let's actually get voices of reason on this because I am not a doctor. As much as I like to jerk myself off to the fact that I got into medical school, I'm not a fucking doctor. So get on doctors. And then you start to get censored. And it's like, oh, this sort of abstract idea of free speech. You're like, oh, fuck, I actually have to like, it's just supposed to be this thing that you see like inscribed on old statues under Ben Franklin or some shit. And you're like, oh, fuck, I actually have to like stand up for it. You're like, someone else should stand up for it. And it's like, well, no, that's just like a personal thing. Like, if you want to see change, you have to be, you can't fuck off. You can't. You can't kick it up to someone higher. That's just, that's pussy shit. It's like, okay. One, it's just like my own sort of hard headedness. Like, don't tell me I can't do this. I remember when I went and saw my advisor the day after I got too high and she said, maybe you should think about something else because maybe you're not cut out for, to get into medical school. And I was like, all right, fucking remember this. <laughs> this is just this is how it is. You can't do that. It's like noted. Thank you. I will fucking eviscerate. I will bulldoze the world in your name like the first person i'll show yeah i love fucking conquer this person and they don't even know (laughs) i'm trying to help out the student what do they know i set out right i I know that part in your head are like okay fuck this person dude how dare you (laughs) we're like (laughs) no but that said so there's like that aspect just fuck off don't tell me i can't talk about that tied in with like a weird thing where i was like i also do respect that there are private this is where again we're live in like the gray area like i'm not just like oh fuck that but i'm like it is a private company <laughs> like that is <laughs> conservative of me i'm like it is a private it's very much a private i still say that people are like dude you're a total cuck for them i'm like they're they are a private goddamn company <laughs> i still whatever t- what is it, june 30th june 30th 2022 i'll still say it's been almost a year since i was banned and they are an evil marxist piece of shit but they're a <laughs> private one all right and they are and if you know and again, that's sort of like a, a contradiction where like conservatives will be like, they need to be broken up. No, they don't. They're a private fucking company. You just don't like them because they're not on your side now. Just eat a dick. All right. So in 10 years, when Rumble's the biggest and the liberals don't like it, 
you, you can still say and earnestly say, hey, it's a private company. If you don't defend it now, you can't defend it in the future or in the past. But that also goes for the value free speech. So I personally have to go, okay, it is a private company. I also don't like the idea of censorship, which means I have to keep speaking the truth. And so it was like <clears throat> very, so you know the importance of the podcast to me. It's not just a thing. It's like, this is my venue out of my life. And having failed thing after thing after thing after thing, Photoshop, writing, blah, 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 you know, just always stuck at home, almost moving out, stuck at home, just year after year after year after, I mean, year after year after year. You go crazy when you're 18 and you're ready to move out. I was fucking in my 30s. You, you come to this thing where it's like you have to see where you stand. And there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with maybe you're just a gaming channel. And you're like, you don't give a fuck. That's fine. It's, it's whatever. But you have a temptation to say, I'll bend the knee now because I need to move out. I need to grow the podcast. And when I'm bigger and I can fight back, that's when I'll do it. Okay, yeah, that's that's a nice little lie you tell yourself, right? Yeah, I'm gonna get to it tomorrow. I'm gonna go to the gym tomorrow. I'm gonna stop eating shit today. I'm gonna stop eating shit tomorrow. Tomorrow we're cleaning the apartment. Tomorrow we're doing this. Tomorrow we're changing our habits. No, you're fucking not. If you have a New Year's resolution, start today, June 30th. Seriously, if you have a new because if you can't do it today, you cannot do it on January 1st when it's cold and it's right after Christmas and you're hungover. How the fuck? You have a New Year's resolution. Start it today. Not even tomorrow. Start it today. Because if you can't start today, when today comes, you'll never be able to do it. So go fuck yourself. So I was like, you know, Rogan should do it. Or, you know, well, he did do it because he's signing this, you know, Spotify deal. Or PewDiePie should do it. Or... And then you're like, hey, you have to, you have to operate now. Because if you're making a hundred million dollars, why would you not have the same logic? Hey man, I'm making fucking killer cash right now. I'll wait till I'm a billionaire. No, you never will. You never will. So it's like laying a foundation. You have to do it correct now. And I just decided I was like, uh, when I have nothing. And I'm clawing to build this podcast. I still have to stand where I stand. Despite as open as I am about agreeing to disagree, hearing your blah, blah, blah. It's a very, on the surface appears, a very relaxed kind of laissez-faire thing. There is a foundation. And it's one, you can't be hurting anybody. Physically hurting. You're allowed to call someone a retard. I don't give a shit. No physically hurting or calling for violence, but also I will never censor anything. I will never censor anything. And if I'm not going to do that now, how in the ever living fuck am I going to do it when all of a sudden I'm having cash dangled over my face? So I just kind of was like, maybe this sinks the ship. But I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to. It really was like some sort of like Japanese suicide bomber. Like. 
I knew I was getting banned. I got the second suspension. And I was like, all right, and I came, I'm not going to stop interviewing these people. I got the third. And I was like, I know the next one's it. I know the next one's it. But I was like, I can't. I was like, I can't not. And I also knew, logically, I was like, my first suspension was actually for election fraud. Now they're moving to COVID. The fact that it went from one thing to two things, when it goes to any topic that allows you to get suspension, you now know censorship's on the table. When they add a second topic, you now know that it's a, it's a potentially growing list, which you then have to assume has the potential to go to infinity. So maybe you're okay with shutting up about election fraud. Maybe you're okay with shutting up about COVID. It's going to keep going. Now, I've been off YouTube for almost a year. But there are certain Ukrainian war crimes that you will now, I didn't know this, you will get suspended if you discuss. There are parts of the Ukrainian-Russian war that you can't discuss. So eventually you come to the pass where you're going to have to stand up for it. And from that point of view, my logic was also, well, let's just get nuked now. and go. It sucks to get nuked at 5,000. What if I'm at 50,000? So at a certain point it was like, hey, it's like when you start to drive somewhere for vacation, you're about to drive for five hours and you're a mile down the road and you realize you forgot something and you're like, just turn around. I know it sucks. Just turn around and get it because we're going to have to turn around either now or in a hundred miles, just fucking turn around and you go back and you get whatever the fuck it is. So that was a huge kind of test of who I was to me. And that's really all I get. It wasn't about like, Everybody else, look how moral and ethical I am. Like, I don't give a shit. But it was like for me. Like, I did it and I got suspended and I went to Rumble. And at that point, I had like 100 subscribers because I'd just been passively uploading. And, you know, part of me wanted to blow my fucking brains out. But like, the other part of me was like, I could sit back on like a Friday and have a beer and be like, man, at least I'm a real one. I've, yeah. I know I did that. I don't give a shit. I know I know that I am what I say I am. And now the it took it took a what so that was September first, twenty twenty. No, twenty twenty one. So December twelfth, twenty nineteen to September first, twenty twenty one is I mean was that a year and then and the nine twenty one months. Twenty one months to get the five thousand subscribers. In when are we now coming on July, August, September? Right now, we're coming up on 10 months on Rumble, 21 months YouTube, 5,000 subscribers, 21 months on YouTube, 5,000 subscribe or 5,000 subscribers, and 350,000 views. 10 months on Rumble, 10,500 subscribers, 2.9 million views. It's also worked out. Like what normally that doesn't happen. You, you do the right thing and you get fucked for it. <laughs> in this case, I, I did the right thing and it's actually worked out wildly in my favor. Not even because of people are like, Oh, he did the, no, it's just, I went to a place that I wasn't getting like suspended and, and, and pressured and, and censored on. So that was a gigantic turning point for me it was like, Oh, I'm willing to, and maybe that comes back to getting into medical school and then saying it's turning around on the road trip. I had gone four years into the road trip and said, I, I don't think I'm happy here. So let's just fucking nix this thing now. 
and that sucked. But who knows? Maybe that actually helped me let the channel get nuked. So I was like, what, 21 months? That's nothing. I spent five years at home. I'll fucking do it. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Took four years to get a medical school. I'll fucking get back in this thing. I think the first video I uploaded when I got banned from YouTube was just like a, it's like I uploaded on like one Rumble, like one Rumble video. It almost looks like a fucking like Osama bin Laden message. I'm just like staring at the camera. <laughs> I, I remember saying I like read off the stats of where I was at the time. I was like, I have 109 subscribers. And I like looked at the camera and I was like, YouTube, I will fucking eviscerate you. I will come back ten times stronger. And right now I'm at two times stronger, ten thousand. Right. I'm gonna come back a hundred times stronger. I don't really know if I answered your question or if that really was a question, but yeah, that was a huge turning point that I really don't think most people can understand like the weight of because it wasn't just a, a YouTube channel. It was like, dude, medical school, like heartbreak, losing a sibling to suicide. Like so many things were riding on this. And I can like happily and proudly say like, yeah, I still was like, no, fuck censorship. So that feel yeah that's see that's way more than a uh, to everybody listening i just want to point this out and maybe they'll agree or maybe they won't agree and maybe you will I, th I think you will it's more than a channel and it's more than a piece of work it's a strategy for life and like, i think you're right when you said you were in medical school and, and you went the five years before you turned around and each time maybe you did writing for six months and then you turned around but each time you were building muscle you were building this experience to say hey like i can't keep get getting burned by the same fucking match i know it's yeah. fucking hot i can't get burned by that again and you finally get to a point where you're like i've had enough never again i'm getting the, i'm fucking pulling myself out of this goddamn hole and we're gonna make it happen and i i think you've told other stories about some huge wins that came from that by maybe seeking out certain guests that you're like i don't even have a shot at this guest but because you mentioned to them hey i stood up oh, for yeah, my values youtube yeah yeah, can you share that story with some people? Well, I mean, that's happened multiple times. Nice. So, like, yeah, this, like, I got talked to Malone the first time I got him. I was like, just a fluke. But I remember, like, he emailed me back the second time, and I was like, he was like, hey, I was like, would you think about coming on again? He was like, yeah, I can't find the link for the first one. It says the account was terminated. And I was like, funny thing about that is, is it was. <laughs> that's the that's the funny thing about the link. <laughs> it was terminated, right? <laughs> But I remember he was like, well, that's a badge of honor. And he was like, I'd, I'd be proud to come on again. And I was like, oh, mind you, this is still six months before Rogan had him on. I had him on four times before Rogan ever had him on. And the White House never called me out. There's no <laughs> such thing as bad PR. Rogan, I think he said his like subscriber count doubled during the whole like COVID like attack on him. Not for me. I got fucking bad from YouTube. <laughs> but, like, but no, like that worked. So. Um, <clears throat> Steve Kirsch I'm sure you've heard that name that guy invented the mouse he's like a billionaire but he's like a huge voice up against this he was on like the OG podcast with Dr. Malone and um, Brett Weinstein I got him on and the only way I got him on is he was like banned from YouTube he was like this impressive <laughs> I was like oh fuck yeah man <laughs> like now it's becoming more and more a thing where everyone's starting to get banned but I was like one of the like original just like like kamikazes was just like like dicks out middle fingers up like benjamin franklin like thomas jefferson eat a dick i'm out eagle like you know got banned yeah. 
but that did work. Um, some other guys that have come on because of that, uh, big Richard Rhodes, he came on. He was just like, well, censorship's despicable. And I was like, indeed it is. Um, uh, all the, really all the doctors, Dr. McCullough, Dr. Fareed, Dr. Ness, Dr. Urso, Dr. Merrick. I mean, all, Dr. Alibek, head of the Soviet Union bioweapon program. Well, he came on before I got banned. But like all of these, all of these guys were like, oh, yeah, no, like, you, okay, yeah, I'll come on. Yeah, they censorship. I mean, like Yale and Harvard professors who are wildly liberal and don't agree with the goddamn word I said. But they were like, hey, like, you know, as like journalists, they were like, censorship is just deplorable. And they're like, yeah, I'll come on. And I never knew that was going to happen. I actually, in my like template email that I sent to potential guests, there's actually like the second half of it. Got an eyelash in my eye. The second half of it is like, why is the podcast not on YouTube? Because like you do have to address that. Because it's it's a it's a it's a weird you know like Star of David you're kind of wearing. You're like, hey, hey, I'm not on YouTube. Like, no, I wasn't on there for like saying the N word. I wasn't on there for like having a sw- because people have also asked that. Like, hey, why aren't you on YouTube? Like, I, I, what, I, what podcast am I throwing my name in with, right? I won't say who, but several people, understandably so, have been like, well, how come you're banned? Like, I need to know why you're banned. You need to send me that episode of why you're banned, which I completely get. Because who in their right mind gets banned from YouTube? Well, you, you send them the episode and they're like, that was it? And yeah, that was it. It was like Dr. McCullough talking about turmeric. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what? I'm like, I don't know what else. I can say to the other one. It's just Dr. Malone talking about peptides. And they're all looking for like, where's the Sig Heil? And I'm like, I don't know, in Germany. Like, <laughs> like so, but that's the thing is like it is such like it was such like a weird weight around my neck that like half of the email, like it always starts with like, hey, this is who I am, this is why I should come on here. Some notable guests I have. Then there's like this giant bold disclaimer, like, why isn't the podcast on YouTube? And you're like, well, I did this and I did this. And you have to like you tell them your credentials and be like, you know, I got into medical school and I was interviewing these doctors and but now no one really cares about that. Now they're just kind of like, yeah, it's cool that you got banned. So that's helped. I never, I always suspected, but now I know it wasn't also, it wasn't just censorship, but it was also shadow banning and putting their thumb mm. on the scale. It, it makes no sense that in 21 months you get 350,000 views. And then on rumble in a third of the time on a platform with like one hundredth of the user base, I get 10 times the views the math does not add up. One one hundredth of the user base, one third of the time, ten times the views. No part of that adds up. Unless, of course, the only other conclusion is, is oh, you're being shadow banned or you're being artificially suppressed. So that's been a huge thing. And that's really helped me. It's like seeing the podcast actually grow. Like seeing like the numbers growing like in a free kind of market way it's invigorating and it allows you to work harder. You're really depressed when you're knocking out podcasts left and right. And you've been at 1,831 subscribers for 117 straight days. And you're like, how is this even possible? Just like the laws of averages, someone should have unsubscribed, right? Shouldn't someone have stumbled upon it? So that's been a huge thing. So it's, you know, it's a win for me. Like I, I knew that I stood up for the right thing. It's a win in that I got a lot of guests that I never would have gotten. It's a win for me in that more and more people are getting banned. 
and now I get to say I was one of the OGs. Um, and it's it's really helped me in that the podcast is just growing because there is a reciprocal cycle where you the podcast grows and you get invigorated to go get bigger guests, and then the podcast grows more and you you work harder and you know the mornings aren't as tiring and you you you, you work through it. It's you know anyone can work on the podcast when it's just banging left and right. And you're getting subscribers. You're having on this guy, that guy, this guy. You don't see like the two years of just crushing nihilism. It's just like, what am I doing with my fucking life? <laughs> medical school. I got into medical school. Like, what am I? What am I doing? Why am I interviewing a guy about laser printers on beer boxes in my parents' garage? And you're like. Oh, it's like how powered would it be to kill myself and you're like <laughs> you just start but it's sort of and even now i'm not like happy with where it is because i you know want it to be bigger and better but it's really been nothing but good has come out of it yeah i don't know yeah it does that's that's huge i, I think it helps people to hear the story because for everybody that that doesn't give up. There's probably a hundred people that do give up. And if you can maybe reach out and grab three of those people that are talented and be like, look, don't give up here. Cause here's what can happen. If you're willing to push through your comfort zone and make things work, then this can happen. Here's a guy that did it. You know, and I, I, I think that younger people seeing this, that'll be bigger and better, hopefully than all of us at some point in time, you know, that's something to think about too, Tommy is, is, doing what you're doing now and podcasting, it kind of gives you a window into the past that's visceral. Like you can see yourself talking to people a year ago or two years ago and you can see it's, it's a weird way to notice time. Yeah. Who, who else has video documentation of themselves every day? Yeah. And it, like you said, it's, it's, it's also, it's a blessing and a curse because you're forced to look back and be like, Oh God! Did I really say that? Jesus Christ! What a dummy! I can't even listen to it. Just turn it off. I don't want to listen yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You know, and, and then you. But then, on the same token, you're like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do moving forward, which gives you this weird window into the future. And here you are right now talking to me. This window, like a virtual window, right now into your life that people are watching and being part of. So, man, I could talk to you for another two hours, Tommy. I'm I'm super thankful that you came. I gotta go drive a truck right now for a good ten hours. <laughs> But uh, I really I appreciate it. You're in Hawaii. I am. I am. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, I don't know why in my mind I immediately was like, can you drive for 10 hours straight in Hawaii thinking that like, <laughs> you're going in a straight line? No, you're probably pulling <laughs> things with the Jesus Christ. A UPS driver. So I'll be delivering yeah. packages for I'm, this I'm, and that. and I'm Trying to sit here talking about being smart. And then I'm like, you can't drive for 10 hours in Hawaii. <laughs> no, you can. You can drive 10 hours in the town if you just keep going back and forth. Come on, Tommy. Baby steps. <laughs> Sometimes the traffic here is like I—I I was born and raised in California, and the 405, the five can be brutal. But sometimes in Hawaii, it can take you four hours to go mm, 40 miles. You just sit because sometimes there's there's only a few arteries, and if one of them breaks, everybody uses this one. So the I'm, infrastructure here is a, is a very interesting place. I applied to med school in Hawaii. Think in an interview. You should think about moving out here, man. Like I know it sounds crazy. But it would yeah, fundamentally change your life. That was actually a thing that was like on my mind for several years, actually, was moving to Hawaii just to say, like, fuck it. Yeah. But You've my, learned a lot. My, parent, being, my parents and family live in New England, and I, I kind of want to be near them. I don't like the idea of, like, one day waking up and realizing they're 90 and they're gone. Mm. 
but I also kind of want to live in Hawaii. <laughs> like, there's just weird. I don't know. Well, I think it goes with some of the goals you were talking to Mr. Ford about yesterday about some of the uh, ideas of wanting to have all these things of like. Oh no, no, and that's, yes, and that's what it. That's honest. No, that's one of the things. It was like shirking medical school, shirking all this stuff. You start to like get. You're like, as you kind of come to terms with like, we're just going for it. Yeah. Not like, well, I'm gonna put one toe in, and maybe if the channel works. When you're finally like, fuck it, move home, lose the girlfriend, lose the friends, lose autonomy, get banned from YouTube. You have nothing. I mean, I have no pets. I have no girlfriend. I have no kids. I have no, no responsibilities. Pets. I have a regular 700 square foot apartment. I am free to do whatever I want. And like a retard, I sit in a room next to a, you know, a mile from a Walmart podcasting. That's what I do with my freedom. But like there is part of me that's like, I have to go just like, what do what do you do? You're like, I, I would go for like fame, fortune. Where else would you live? Fucking Hawaii. Like, you know, you kind of reach this like almost terminal cancer point of mind where you're like, it's all over tomorrow. So do it. Come out here. I hope that, you don't like hot, aggressive, exotic girls because they're out here. So probably don't want, you probably don't the like thing that. Is, I hate the sun and I hate the heat. So I will be sitting in like an air conditioned apartment in Hawaii, but there would be a cool flex about being in Hawaii. One of my friends moved out there from college, and I'm fucking jealous. I don't know. They're somewhere in New England. They'll go. Come visit. You could do your podcast. You could come out here and do like a visiting podcast. We're like, hey, I'm, I'm on location today for a week. You know what I mean? And then I agree, it, like, it's over from there. I'll get eaten by a shark. Ah! <laughs> well, you're already messing with all the geese all the time. You might as well start flexing oh, on some sharks. Goose militia, dude. That's goddamn <laughs> militia. I keep uploading <laughs> videos every day on Twitter. Just... So I want the FBI to have to constantly be checking it on me because I'm using the term militia. That's why they like goose militia. They see a guy that constantly posts about a militia and it's also interviewing CIA operatives. Yeah. I, just, I just know that I'm making some intern's life hell. He's doing the goose thing again. There's some guy that's like, what does it mean? This is comp. What is it? It's just me walking around like waiting for the caffeine to kick in before the gym. Right. Yeah. That's what classic. What are the ducks? What does that stand for? <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's talking to these. Who's talking to these OG guys? Did he? Did he make any signs? You see his hand? Was there a signal in there? What kind of code words is he using? What are they doing? What are they? <laughs> is it when the geese flies at midnight? What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> it means nothing. Oh, I'm fucking growing bread to geese on the way to the gym. Yeah. But I'm gonna continue to call it a militia. It's so awesome. Just, just so it pings their servers. But yeah, I, I appreciate like, it, man. It was a pleasure coming on here. Please send me the link when it's up. Yeah, I'll send you all the stuff and. The way I see it, everything we did on here is as much yours as mine. So I'll give you all the stuff. Feel free to clip it or whatever you want to do. It's, it's yours as, as much mine. And I, I hope I hope you'll come back again sometime and we can uh, help to. solve the world's problems. I'd love to, man. I'd love to have you on mine. That would be fun as fuck. We shoot the shit. And I'd love to. As you can tell, there's truly no agenda. It's just... just Such is life, right? Just dicks out. Just dicks out. <laughs> and just let her run. But uh, I have to ask Agreed. you, what, yeah. what's, what's over your shoulder? Is that a 3D printer? Yeah, it is. It's a it's a 3D printer over there. My my uh, daughter is in uh, second grade, and so you know what better way to show her the lim limitless possibilities by, hey, what do you want to print? You got a we got a project coming up. Let's print this thing. You yeah. know, and and you got the big map back there. You know what better way to show a kid like, hey, look at this thing over here. Here's where we live. Here's how far it is over here. Hey, we we can draw some boats on here. I don't know if you can see it, but. You know, I'm a pretty big conspiracy guy, and I like Atlantis. I like it. 
yeah, you know, and you can start doing a little bit of research and, oh, you know, fun. it's super fun. I, I drew this, there's, there's a, there's a interesting book about this guy, Olaf Johansson. And uh, he took this trip to the center of the earth, but he was this old guy. And on his deathbed, he gave an account of him and his, I believe he was Norwegian and him and his father, you know, just, just fishing up in Franz Joseph land, like way at the top. And it's just, it's so beautiful. These stories that people tell, be them conspiracies or imagination or fiction or nonfiction. Some of them are so beautiful and so elegant. And it's like you can interact with them if you have a map or you and you can put that in the mind of a child and begin to use her imagination as a springboard for success later in life. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's a, my map over there. Yeah, no, uh, me and my buddy in college, we had this like a uh, table with like a glass top, you know, and we had a huge map. We decided to just put it onto the table. But it just kind of looked cool. Yeah, it just over the year, just kind of sitting at the table and like sitting at you know different chairs. You're you never quite realize just like you kind of think you like understand like the world, but as you start looking more and more at things, you're like, well, what is this? Place? Yeah, I remember one of the places we looked at was like on the northernmost point of Ellesmere Island above Canada. It's a place called Alert. It's the highest permanently inhabited town in the world. It's called Alert Canada. And it's actually, ironically enough, where the NSA has had listening posts for like 70 years. It's the it's because it's like the closest place to Russia that you can get. But just a little shit like that. Like, how the fuck yeah. else about Alert Canada? Yeah. That's all I got on that point. It was, I don't know. I was building up to be some in-depth story. Nope. There's a place called Alert. The end. But there's so much that comes out of it because, you know, think about maps. It's not just a geography, but we have mental maps that we make of the world. We have neural networks that are maps. Like, Everything's kind of a map if you think about it. And if you can begin to see this as a foundation, then you can use the world as a map. You can use your actions as a map. You can use your communications as a map. You can map out everything. You can map out your future. You can map out your past. You can map out where you are right now. You can map out where you want to be. You can map out the person that you want to become. And I think that especially, like I've learned so much from maps. And it, you know what's amazing? You go back and you look at an old map with like goddamn sea monsters on, like boats yeah. and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, like here be the mountains of Victoria. And you're like, what's that even? No. What yeah. is that? <laughs> and they're kind of congruent. Old maps are kind of congruent with the way we think. You know, if you look yeah. like, like the Pyrez map, hey, they only discovered yeah, the this period, right? Yeah, 1513. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so if that's, that's true, if in the past we had these bad maps, might it also be true that in the like the map we're looking at now is bad? The same way that we thought planets were encased in glass or that we were the center of the universe. Oh, yeah. If we know that those maps are wrong, isn't it probably true that the mental maps we have right now are wrong? Like they've always been wrong. So why yeah. wouldn't this one be wrong? That's back to the whole keep your mind open. Bingo. Yeah. Well, how am I certain that I have the correct model? Always be questioning your own model. Like, you well, to. this and this and something like, question the very basis of your model. It's like when people like randomly use a cliche, like a statement as if it's a point, like, well, you know, yeah. early bird gets the worm. And you're like, that's just because everyone knows what that means. Does, doesn't mean that that's a, that's a point. Yeah. Like reality has a liberal tint. You'd be like, okay, cool. little like gotcha moment that you see on a postcard. What is your argument? You know, <laughs> like, you know, it goes around, comes around. I'm like, sure. Everyone has heard that before. It, that didn't necessarily work out. Like, the top Nazis got to come live in America. <laughs> it doesn't always go around, come around. You know? Like, you what know, do you think of the... It all comes out in the end. I'm like, 
it doesn't all come out in the end. Sometimes the memo gets burned and the secret dies with the agency and no one really knows who killed them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's just one thing. So the, no, yeah, it, model, it's good. the model is like just because it's like a you know, well, you know what they say. Like a penny found is a penny. <laughs> that doesn't apply to this. <laughs> From 2008 are in jail, you know. <laughs> like, well, you know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is. It's like who the f- stop fucking <laughs> Yes. Yeah, those are beautiful. There's there's so much there because a little pet peeve of mine when people try to use a well-known phrase as some sort of ending to an argument. <laughs> I guess sums everything up, right? Yeah, it's just you know, early to bed, early to rise, and it's like I wake up at noon every day and go to bed at 4 a.m. and I work harder than anyone I know. Well, you know, early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wealthy. Fuck off. <laughs> douchebag um yeah dude i'd love to come on here again i'd love to have you on sometime um yeah, that's all i got my brain's yeah awesome i i will uh i'll reach out to you and i'll shoot you this stuff whenever you got an open man i would be stoked to come on and uh if you ever have some downtime you know i'll shoot you some dates in, in a few months or whatever and uh if you ever have downtime hit me up we'll do this definitely try to come out to hawaii man it'll It'll fundamentally change the way you see the world and those in your life if you come out here. I, I know that sounds crazy, but I did it. I know a lot of people that have done it, and it will. It's beautiful here. And if you listen closely, Tommy, Hawaii's calling your name. Just listen to the wind, man. It's calling your name. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's that. It's that. It's the Pacific headquarters of the NSA. Come, come and meet. I'll show you where Snowden lived. Yeah, there's actually a really cool place kind of back in the maps where the NSA is headquartered there. They have that huge underground compound. Yeah. That was originally an underground map making factory in World War II. I had no idea. I'm going to write that down. Correct. They made maps. They made aircraft, I think, initially, and then maps. And then they stored like armaments there. And then they turned into a listening post. And then Ed Snowden walked out of there with like a Rubik's Cube or some shit or whatever. The <laughs> I don't know. Fucking... Nothing makes sense. There's no purpose to anything. It just, it just, I have no idea. Fuck censorship. That's all I got. I'm a man. I got to run. Gotta okay. Right Handle now. it, brother. I'll talk to you soon, man. Thank you for everything. Have a good day. Peace. Take care. Okay. Shoot. See ya. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that 
we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.